This is the Finnish football show. Momentum is building. Euro 2020 starts next week, only 52 weeks late. Anyway, Finnish football show is back and we're going to look at the Hukajat squad for the Euros, which was announced on Tuesday the 1st of June. Were there any surprises? Were there any people in or out that we weren't expecting? So we'll we'll uh, discuss all of that. We'll also look back at the recent friendly match that ended Sweden 2, Finland 0, and ask what, if anything, did we learn? We have another guest on the show this week, at footy underscore Nordic from Twitter, also known to his mum as Cameron Deacon, joins us to preview Finland's first game of the Euros versus Denmark, to look at the other Nordic teams and their prospects in the tournament. And also Rich wants to share some of his favourite Hukia tat, sorry, merchandise that he's spotted recently. I reckon as we've got a new guest, maybe maybe this week we should start just by getting Cameron to introduce himself. Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And I know I'm not, broadly speaking, a, a Finnish expert in my own right, but Finland is, as we've discussed, part of the Nordic countries that at least I've decided anyway. Um, but no, so I, I started all of this because I, it, essentially I've got a, a love for what is niche sport and it, it sort of evolved through university. I've, I worked with uh, the England amputee football team and I've worked throughout non-league football within this country for years and years. And um, it's, there's more of a purity to it, I think. And when I started looking properly at Nordic football about two years ago, there's something about it which has this same sort of purity and quite, you know, original feel of the game, where, which is sort of being lost, I think, in a lot of top-level divisions at the moment. You know, I, I look to the Premier League at the moment, and I don't know how, many, how often VAR is mentioned in this podcast, but it, it annoys me to the nth degree, and it's just getting away from all that and the, the crazy controversy that surrounds it all is so refreshing. Yeah, and away from the, the sort of the, the obvious dull places in England and to the beautiful Nordic Scandinavian backgrounds that you see that posted all over my Twitter on a regular basis. It's just this perfect combination of things for me as someone who wants to learn about Nordic football and football culture and travel the world. Seeing these teams and learning about these countries is a great inspiration to me. So to be part of this podcast as well as it helps drive that. So thank you very much for having me on. And no worries, you're you're welcome. And and we've got a full team. No one from the Finnish football show wants to be wants to risk being left out for the for the Euros. So they're all making themselves available for every possible show. So hi Keke, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Hello everyone. And Mark, how do? Yeah, doing all right. And last but not least, Rich, how's things? My so why don't we start with some breaking news? And this is Keke's breaking news. It used to be Mark's regular feature was to try and throw me off track right as soon as the show started. But Keke's dropped something in today. On Friday the 4th, 7pm uh, finish time is the Finland's final preparation game for the Euros, a home game against Estonia. And there's some ticket news, Keke. Yeah, there is. Um... We previously thought that tickets were only available to um, a handful of people who had purchased them for the, the original fixture, which was programmed for, for last year. And then, um, yeah, obviously postponed like everything else in everyone's lives due to the pandemic. But um, our good friends over at the uh, SME Corps, hardworking as ever, has found some, um, some extra tickets down the back of the sofa. So um, those tickets are available to uh, SME Corps members only. So... Um, yeah, if you're uh, if you're an SMU core member and you, you haven't you haven't seen that news already and you're listening to this, get yourself over to to their website and um, and you've got the chance of getting a, getting a ticket for Friday night's game against Estonia. Any idea how many tickets? There's there's a handful, so um, I think you've got to be quick. But um, but yeah, there's there's some available for those who, who who can make it. Good stuff. We were 
we were planning then to to kick off. We're, we're, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the the upcoming friendly later in the show. Um, but the squad was announced. This is big Euro 2020 news. The Hukayat squad was announced. Why don't we first of all just talk about the players that are in, the players that are out, um, and then after that we got a question from somebody on Twitter that that maybe we can we can throw to. Well, we we've been talking about throwing it open to Mark, so let's let's do that shortly. But um, Rich, do you want to sort of talk through? We don't necessarily need to list all twenty six players. We'll be here all night, but um, sort of talk through some of the big the big surprises players included and some of the big omissions. Um, well, yeah, of the twenty six in the squad, um, I think that a couple of the names were kind of pending. Obviously, from the training squad, we were missing a few with club commitments and some who were working on their fitness. I don't think there was any doubt that Tamer Pukki was going to be named in the squad unless his leg fell off. Okay. And um, Tim Sparv, he hasn't played 90 minutes for, I think, five months now, but he's the captain. He played 45 minutes on Saturday against Sweden. Um, he's as influential off the pitch as he is on it. And players that have obviously played their way, at least in the training camp and in Rive's mind, uh, the Device and the brothers, for example, they've both after what, 18 months or so where I think one or both have been injured or in poor health, poor form. Um, they've both come fit at the right time, so they're both in the squad. And I think, I mean, it's, it's difficult being in Canaver shoes because it's the first ever major tournament. But um, as we were having the discussion on WhatsApp group earlier, I mean, this is, you know, 23 other managers have had to make big decisions, you know, and, and they've been doing that for the best part of how many years now when it was the first world cup nearly 100 years ago now so um he's had to leave out players and there are a couple of names that are the ones that i think people are curious about um yuhani oyala missed out um central defender he was the captain in the friendly against switzerland in march so i think that's a big call um again this is where we see or we don't see what's happening on the training camp we don't know what's going on behind the scenes um has Rive seen something or is there something? Because as well, it's not just a, t- a squad for a game like we normally have. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not blowing my own trumpet here, but uh, this, this could be potentially a group that are together for five or six weeks, fingers crossed. Um, and you've got to juggle everything. It's, it's not just the players, it's the camp, it's everything around it. Um, Oyal has come out today already and said he's, he's feeling humiliated by being dropped, which is strong words and... You know, I mean, I think if you weren't hurt, then you'd wonder what his mental state was anyway. But, um, and there's a couple of others. I mean, most of the controversy or the, the discussion seems to be around the defence and the fullback positions. Um, Nico Hammerlinen, after impressing generally over the last year or so, he's missed out. Albin Granlund, who, Again, he started against Ukraine in the World Cup qualifier, went off with concussion. He's then been exposed to COVID. And again, we haven't had reasons and, and there's no obligation for that. But they're the two that have missed out. And, uh, you know, then there's a bit of, uh, I think people seeing that Burusori has been named in the squad as a defender. He is a winger. Let's not put any bones around that. Same as Nikolai Alho, but... He obviously impressed in that Switzerland game again, and perhaps Riva thinks he's the right person for that position in the squad. So, um, I, I mean, all in all, I mean, you can look at the, there were probably 20, 19, 20 names on that list who were a certainty, and you'd put the house on, and there was always going to be a little bit here and there. It's nice to see uh, Marcus Force, Sonny Valakari named in there, you know, after their blitzing debut last year. And you know, most of the established names, Robin, uh, Robert Taylor didn't make the training squad because he was trying to play his way back into fitness. He's been in good form in Norway. Um, Robin Lodd, I think, don't think there's any doubt. And, and to be honest, he's probably in contention to start the Denmark game, assuming he's fit. And yeah, it's um, it's difficult. There, there were always going to be some conversations around this. And and I think Oyelo and Hammerlinen are probably likely to be the hardest done by. But I think, you know, all in all, it, the first 11 it wasn't going to change it would be the same first 11 either way so it's um it's done now and we'll see and hopefully no one will get injured in the the 10 days before the tournament starts yeah i was just going to say guys um i think that the albin granlin one is an is an interesting situation i think it, it must be something to do with 
with this sort of COVID exposure. I mean, there's not been much news come out about it apart from he was exposed to COVID. But I would I would have thought that that he would have been he would have been in there, Albin. I think you know he's obviously he, had, he did go off with that concussion earlier in the season, as, as Rich said. And um, he's not really been seen or heard of since. So I think he might he might feel a little bit hard done by. And um, and I just wanted to give a, a, a mention to Juha Pirinen as well, who's, who's missed out. I think he's playing in, he's playing in Slovakia. He's doing doing okay over there. But um, he's he's been in and around squads all through the qualification campaign. And then you know it comes to the comes to the tournament and he he doesn't quite make the cut. And um, again, I think he he must be must be feeling all sorts of emotions inside but I'm, I'm sure come come the kickoff he'll be like the rest of us just cheering the boys on but I wanted to give a, an, uh, an honourable mention for, for Birren in there but um, yeah as Rich says there's one or two surprises I mean um, Robert Ivanov he's made it after after a couple of recent squads so I think that's he had a decent in Poland so um, so yeah he's he, you know, fair enough. The one, the one that surprised me was um, Lassie Lappalainen. Um, not really been seen or heard of around the international scene lately. I mean, he had um, crikey, he uh, he had that cracking. Was that Lichtenstein away? He had that, yeah, yeah Lichtenstein away. He had that cracking game, and um, but yeah, he's obviously Rivers seen seen something in the in the training camp, and he, he's made it onto the plane. So fair play to him as well. Uh, the other one uh, that we was all sort of arming and ahhing about was uh, Rasmus Schuller. He's, um, but he's, uh, he's, River seems to like him. He's, he's been nailed on, so he's made it. And um, Cameron might have seen him playing in the offense game for uh, for your good. And he's been, he's been having, he's been pulling up trees over there. He's been having some really great games. So, so yeah, uh, well played to Rasmus as well. Mark, what did you want to add? Yeah, so I mean, the Oyala one's interesting because uh, I mean, uh, him, like if this tournament had been a year ago, Oyala would have been either gone there, no problem. I think Pirinen also falls into that into that class that if we'd have, if we, if we, the tournament had been when it was scheduled, they'd have both been kind of integral parts to it. Oyala though, in the last couple of games, so against against the the Swiss and against uh, against Sweden. He looked a little bit slow on the turn. He got done by Kaizon, the the young Swedish forward, uh, inside and out for Sweden's first goal. And he had a couple of shaky moments against uh, against Switzerland, particularly that you know when we lost that goal in the in the dying embers. I think he just got out jumped and out muscled uh, uh, at the back post, which is something that he's he's supposed to be the big strong. You know he's not he's never been that quick. He's never been that technically good. He's supposed to be the big strong centre back, and if he doesn't have that. Then I think uh, you know he doesn't offer you a great deal. What Ivanov or the Weizenham brothers do offer you is they're a lot better with the ball at their feet, and it, it's going to look like we're going to be re- really defensive as we head into this tournament. Uh, we don't have a right back, so the fact that Alpen Granlund isn't there means we're going to have to play basically three at the back because Alho isn't a right back. He's a at best a wing back, but I think he's a he's just a, a deep starting winger. And as for Soyri, I mean I don't even know. I don't know if he was on the plane before the Sweden game. I think he came on against Sweden and uh, he was the only guy who took the ball sort of the length of the pitch down the flank. He had, he, he had, I think we had two shots on, on, on goal. And I think he had one of them. Um, so I, I, he may have just played his way kind of back, back into it, but I think uh, it's unlucky for Royella because he's been, you know, he's been playing really well for many years uh, and it just, the clock just ran out on him. I'm afraid. What about this question then, Mark, that came on Twitter from Petia Pelli? It says, well, I think we've discussed the biggest surprises in the squad, but the second part of his, the question was, does the selection tell anything about the way the Hulkiat is planning to play in the tournament? And will that be any different compared to the qualifying games? You just started to touch on it a little bit with the with the formation. Um, it, you, you, it's interesting because you said it was it was looking very defensive, and yet, there's not that many like fullbacks in the team. So to me, it seems like it could be quite. If if you're playing um, Alho on one side and you're playing um, someone else as a wing back on the other side, then everything else is quite progressive, or not. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, we've had teams so against like, teams like Ireland and, uh, you know, teams like, um, like even Ukraine, we got a fair amount of joy. 
you know, you can't you can sort of bully teams and then start to overload the midfield. But I think against the likes of Denmark, Russia, and Belgium in particular, we're going to really struggle to get down the flanks and, and around and around the opposition, which means those guys are going to get pushed back. I can't. I think fundamentally, one of the other things that's happened now that we've been delayed a year is Tim Sparv and Glenn Kamara can't hold the midfield like they used to. Sparv, uh, he's, he's another year down the road. He hasn't been getting a lot of minutes recently. I think Schuller has been good, but he also doesn't command uh, the midfield in the same way that Sparv used to. So because we can't put a, a, this, you know, engine room of Sparv and Kamara as they got as they were when they got us qualified, we have to put three in the middle, and I think that's what's pushing us into this sort of this uh, three-five-two. 5-3-2 formation so I can uh, I can only see us now going with the three at the back and sort of trying to play which um, I don't know uh, it's a nice when it clicks it's a really attractive way to play football but it's really it's it's very heavy particularly for those on the on the flanks and um, you have to be you know you have to be able to find space in the opposition third and we've only got you know one or two players that can do that so who do you who do you think the three in the midfield will be if it, if Sparv and um, and Kamara are there. Who's who's alongside them in the three? I think you've got Sparv Holden sitting in front of the defence, which is already kind of like a, a pretty packed uh, low block, as they technically call it mm-hmm. these days. Then you've got Kamara trying to go box to box, and then you'll have Lod either you know he'll be either up top kind of supporting and then making a diamond four. Or you'll have, um, or you'll have Lod actually sitting in the midfield. If Lod goes a bit further forward, more advanced, you bring in somebody like Oni Valakari to have that, you know, or, or Robert Taylor to move the ball around because both of those guys have the really good positional aware- awareness and they're they're able to link the play, particularly to the to the wings. So, yeah, most so Sparv and Kamara they'll be nailed on, and your third one will be either Lod or it'll be. Lud moving forward and somebody like Valakari coming in. I think um, Yoni Kalko is probably in contention for that as well. It might be a bit heavy on mm-hmm. the kind of working than anything else. Um, but he, in Sparv's absence, worked quite well with Kamara. Um, again, if we're depending on Tim being fit, um, and that's the main thing. Um, it's a good point, I, Rich, actually, because mm-hmm. Kalko has been very good. Lately, mm. it's so much so that, that Sparv, we haven't been sitting there saying, oh, When's he coming back? We've been saying how well Kalko's been playing. Yeah, I think Kalko played so well in the World Cup qualifiers, and I think Sparv's main quality these days is what he brings out of others. Um, it, I mean, he was always this kind of passing, he was always intercepting the ball, he, his movement and, and positioning was superb. Um, but when you take away the fitness, it's kind of how he brings out the best in, in Kamara particularly, but um, how that works with a three at the back, how that works with different partners, whether it's Schuller, Kalko, Lord Taylor, whoever. Um, and, you know, he's the captain as well. But if he goes off after 45 minutes of a game or if he goes off early, um, the kind of the team and the replacement needs to be, you almost need to have an 11 and it's Sparv or someone else because we're in that kind of position where, you know, again, he's not played that, he's not really played since January. I mean, he, I think he last, did he play about 80 minutes of one of the games in March and then went off and had an operation or even he came on at half time and something like that. And, and I think we're having to kind of consider now that if he's fit, he starts. Um, but what happens if he goes off or if he can't play, that will dictate the rest of the midfield. Um, and again, depending on the opposition, I mean, like we talked about last week, Belgium are a Roberto Martinez side who are top heavy. Um, do you look at exploiting the gaps at the back or do you try and so- make things a bit more solid in midfield? And then that's the decision. Do you play Lod as a 10, Lod as a forward, Poyan Palo's not fit, or well, who knows, he might be fit, might not be. Um, there's so many decisions and that's the blessing of this 26-man squad. And as what Keke was saying, that's possibly what costs you appearing them is that with 26 players, you don't need utility players. You don't need players who can cover two or three different positions across a defence or midfield. And I think that's almost cost him in that. I'm not saying the players we've got are necessarily better, but they're probably more dedicated to being wingers, right wing backs, full backs, whatever. Um, but yeah, with 26 players, 
you know, it's having, it is a luxury to have. And, and if Finland are ever in this position again, God forbid, hopefully, but it's something that they can consider. I mean, the squad will be vastly different at that point, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, we talked about previously the spine of that team during qualifying, it was 4-4-2. Mm. You knew who the goalkeeper, the defenders, the midfield and forwards were. Now we've had to dilute that, whether it's to because of the change in the way football's gone or to accommodate a certain style of play, not 100% sure. But I think, um, yeah, there's, a, there's still questions because I think had this tournament been played last year, they may have been playing 4-4-2. Mm. Um, but now with what we've seen in the Nations League and the qualifiers, that is not going to happen. Okay, what, what do you think about Nicky Marmper? To be honest, yeah, I, I I thought after his exploits in um, in the Serie B playoffs, I thought he was a he was a shoo in. I thought he'd be I thought he'd be going. Um, obviously, we don't know if he's had any sort of conversation with Rive or or if they've discussed it. He might um, he might be completely knackered after his last few weeks in um, in playing in Italy. You know the season. The season went on for him. He had those two semi-finals and then, sorry, yeah. So he's played, what, an extra six games. So the, um, yeah, an extra six games over the playoffs. I mean, even the final was a two-legged affair. So, um, yeah, they might, we don't know. They might well have had a conversation and Rivers said, look, do you fancy it? And he said, um, I'm that good and I want to see me, me missus and my kid a bit for a bit rather than disappear and sit on the bed. But you don't know, do you? And, and but, wants um, to be fit for Serie A action next year which go. is amazing that, we talked about it the other week didn't we yeah that that's a that's another thing you know he, he if he's obviously helped venezia get there and um and he's hoping that he'll he'll, he'll, he'll be a, a selection when they make their Serie A debut so so that, that that might be the thinking behind that but um yeah just uh i mean the just to cover the, a bit of old ground again go back on on oyala i mean he was. Um, he started the Sweden. I know we're going to discuss the Sweden game with Cameron in a second, but he started the Sweden game, and then you know he's thinking, "Here we go," and then all of a sudden, you know, it's uh, it's thank you and good night. Yeah, so um, yeah, bit of a bit of a strange one, but just discussing the tactics again. Do you think the the, the, the did the Sweden game give anything away about the the way that the, the way we're going to line up? Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I think so. We, I mean, we did. We were. We did that three, three, five, two, five, three, two thing. It so it it did. I mean, I think that's that's the that's nailed on to be the way we're going to do. And 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 I actually think, I actually think that that game might have cost Oyela because for the it was we conceded twice. The first one, he got turned. He got blindsided and turned by Kaizen. The second one was the there was a looped ball over the top that caught two or three of the defenders ball watching. They were just you know sort of glaring at it as it lobbed over. And um, uh, and I think in that game, he, Oyala just looked a bit. He looked a yard slow, and I'm pretty sure that was Sweden's, you know, B team. So it's you know he looked a yard slow against against uh, against a uh, yeah the B team, and that's 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 never a good thing. Can we bring Cameron in now while we're talking about the Sweden game, uh, because I I felt like it was kind of two B sides mm. playing. Um, what what's the What's the reaction been in Sweden from what you've seen? It, from, from my point of view, the game was essentially people were looking at this as two sides who are preparing for Euros, which is very, very nearby, with the Finland squad, like you said, who were days away from selection at that point. And honestly, I don't know if you could look too deeply into that game as a suggestion of what's going to be played like. Now, I think come... The final squads in the actual Euros itself, you will see a completely different mentality from your Finland squad as you will at the moment. You know, it's a the first squad to represent their country at a major tournament, so it's a it's a completely different mentality change. And as for Sweden, it was they played, like you said, it, it wasn't a full B side at all. They had a lot of very big hitters in there who I think themselves were all trying to get into that first team squad. The Sweden team is very is a very up-and-coming side at the moment, as a, a lot of the Nordic countries at the moment. But it wasn't... I don't think you could look at that game and say definitively that either side would, would be playing their best or either side were tactically perfect what they're going to be like. Because there's a lot of changes to be made there. And, like, if anything, it was for the Finnish players who were on their 
last possible legs to try and break into that squad. So the 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 it wasn't too much of a surprise from the Swedish perspective, I don't think, just because, like I said, the players who are in there are very, very good players. You Was that there. squad already announced before the game? From my understanding, yeah, Finland yeah. were one of the later ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so their squad was already announced a few days beforehand, meaning that they, again, unlike England tonight for some reason, were playing with their players who were actually going to the tournament. Mm-hmm. So it's, you have there, again, it's a different mentality. You're trying to get your starting spot in the squad rather than just get selected, mm-hmm. which is they're two very different things. And yeah, and it, and it could have been very different as well because as it was very quickly mentioned, the two goals which were scored were two very easy goals, which I think in a tournament setting don't go, don't end up in the back of the net, in my opinion. They were two bit lazy defending side um, and mistakes cost Finland, I think, more than anything. But ultimately, I'm not sure it's, it's not obviously the result you wanted, but I wouldn't be too disheartened by that result in terms of going forward as a squad or being beaten by Sweden team that was selected and were in their final stages of preparation rather than just beforehand. And, and what what is the what is the Sweden squad looking looking like? Because I, I am I don't follow them particularly closely, and I there were a lot of players there that I I didn't recognise. Whereas in maybe in previous years, you know, they might have been more familiar. Um, is it a transitional squad? Is it a strong squad? Is, is Latans coming back for this competition? Is that right? Having said he wouldn't and then he would and... Well, he, he, he wasn't, then he was, and now he isn't. Ah, okay. Um, right. Yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been a very topsy-turvy um, thing for him. He's been injured, obviously, so he's been ruled out. Um, the squad itself is, it's a very, very young squad. You know, to, to name a few off the top of my head, you've got uh, Isaac up top, you've got Kulusevski for Juventus, you've got Sandberg in midfield, and all of those three players have been, for me this season, the, the eye-catching youngsters who are going to probably end up leading this this Sweden squad. You know, you saw um, Quazon, who scored the goal. He's going to be one who will be on the fringes of getting into that first team. He probably won't make it into that uh, the first lineup eventually. But he, the, the Sweden squad is very exciting overall. It's, it's a squad that, if, any, if there's anything transitional about it, it's transitioning away from Zlatan, yeah. which, is, which, is, which is the only, the only sort of minor quirk about it is that it's people face Sweden and go, my God, we have to play against Ibrahimovic now. And now it's not. Now I'm not really sure. And for the, the, people, you know, the layman who doesn't really know the, the squad at the moment, I would say it's a very fast-paced squad that, on its day, could play very, very well. And I'm sure it probably won't be their year this year, but in terms of the next tournament coming up, I think we could see a really good Sweden team developing, depending on how these young players have developed and moved from here on in between then. I like the look of that Isak. He's um, he's a decent player. He was playing, play, I think he was at AIK before, but um, he's at Real Sociedad now. He's he's doing okay. Um yeah, still amazed to the, see uh, Seb Larson still playing. I remember seeing him as a yeah. youth coming through at Arsenal. God, when was that? Yeah. Fifteen years ago, and he's still going. He, he's well, he's he's thirty-five now, Seb Larson, <laughs> and he's back at AIK. But he's um right. he's playing well, playing well in the All Svenskan every week. And uh, and then you've got Jordan Larson of Spartak Moscow. I think he played a couple of minutes, didn't he? He came on. Well, when did he come on? He came on second half, was it? But um, yeah, again. Another, another young player who's, uh, who's looking looking half decent, but we don't want to spend too much time talking about Sweden, do we? <laughs> should we should we have a little look forward towards Estonia? We we understand, Cameron. This is not this the, the, the you've defined your your borders of the Nordics and Estonia's the other side of it, <laughs> um, and there we we know there's an Estonian football show podcast, but as this is a friendly, we didn't do a big. A big feature on it, but but um, you know, Rich or Mark or Keke, any any thoughts about what might be coming up on on Friday for for Finland? Is this the Baltic Cup these days? I think um, well, they the, haven't played that for a few years, the, have they? The it's Baltic going... Cup is actually going on at the moment, isn't it? Um, Estonia they either just played Lithuania or they're playing Lithuania. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, that's uh, the the Baltic Cup's in full swing at the minute. So I'm not yeah. sure how this friendly fits into it. 
I don't know if we if we win, we might get a trophy. But but, I think um, it's because there's only three teams in that tournament. <laughs> so you're on this like that buy round. But I don't think I, I don't think we'll get. Uh, we might not even get an Estonian like first team. We might get the Estonian fringe players to keep them to keep them warm warm through this tournament. But does, do we see this as as a relatively soft warm up game for the Euros? And do you think that Finland will play a strong team? I mean, in my eyes, it seems like now should be the time for for sort of defining what the team's going to do and try and get into that rhythm. Well, there's there's two schools of thought, isn't there? I mean, do you risk players getting injured, or you know, as it as it is a a friendly, do, uh, are the Estonians going to be going in hundred percent on in tackles and all that? It's it's a difficult one, but like you say, Mark, do do you play your your first eleven and? and Really see what they can do, or or do you do you park those guys and and save them from any possible sort of fatigue or injury, and 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 have a look at some fringe players again? That's that's obviously another decision that Rivers got to make. But um, but yeah, I mean, we uh, I, w- I was actually I was actually in Tallinn when we played Estonia in the Nations League, and Tamer Puki scored in about the 94th minute, I think, to give us a to give us a one nil win. But um, which was an absolutely cracking night. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I like to think we've moved on a little bit since then. And, and you got to think, you got to think that, you know, this whichever team goes out has got to be beaten Estonia, really. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd, hope, you'd hope so. So I think uh, practically, Spav needs minutes. Uh, I think Urunen did well against Sweden, and he he needs more minutes uh, under his belt. Looked like Lassi Lappalainen probably needs 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 some also some some running time. Um, Beyond that, you'd want to try and get your strongest, you know, your strongest uh, team out there. But the question is, if Puki's not 100%, do you risk him? If Yol is not 100%, do you risk him? It's going to be a tough call for those for those guys. Um, well, Puki said last week he was unlikely to play against Estonia. I think he's he's putting his comeback as Denmark, yeah, which is how fine these margins are. Um, I haven't heard much about the state of Poyan Pala's injury. I know he, he wasn't considered for for Saturday, um, but I'd imagine, assuming the rest of the squad have gone home, so we're now down to the 26, he's going to be picking from that 26. I mean, it's not like the England game where they're playing as we're recording now, and they've picked Jesse Lingard, who's not in the squad, and he's playing <laughs> for him tonight. So maybe it's become his farewell game, but it's... Um, it's one of those. I, I assume they'll pick from the twenty-six. So, if Poyan Pala's not fit, Puki almost certainly won't play. It's a chance for force. Um, give him a go. I think um, you know he's coming off. I mean, hopefully he's not too tired after his season. But he's had a very, very good season for Brentford, albeit mostly as an impact sub. Mm. But um, I think give him, yeah, give him an hour. See what he can do. Uh, see what Jensen can do up front as well. I think they they need a bit of a fresh time as well a bit of confidence and a bit of that while they can because to be honest if Pookie's fit he will start against Denmark and mm. everyone will fit around that so quite right as well I think he's earned that just um just one point while, while we're on Estonia there's uh one one little thing I've got to tell you from uh, when we were over there in Tallinn we uh, as you can imagine some of the um, some of the there was quite a lot of Finnish fans what with it just being a short hop over the over the Baltic Sea there and um some of them, some of them may have attempted to uh, to smuggle in some uh, some booze into the Alacoque Arena, but um, the Estonian security being quite quite stringent, they managed to confiscate all this booze and um, and lock it away in a cupboard. But um, during some some point during the match, my mate Ville and his friend uh, Rotapeka found the keys to this cupboard and um, and managed to get into all the confiscated booze. <laughs> And, so uh, find the keys to a cupboard. Well, well, no, that's, that's what happens on these away trips. <laughs> they escaped but, um, in a f- fleet of minis while the game was being played. Oh exactly. uh, right, <laughs> but yeah, they um, they uh, they polished off all the all the confiscated yalovina and, and and everything else. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good night. So yeah, that's just one little story from that trip. Am I the only one that's noticed that most of Keke's stories from trips involve behaviour under the influence of, well, booze mostly? You got. Yeah. You told us last week, Keke, you got thirsty friends. What can you do? 
Um, I, I reckon that's a good good place to to pause. Just just to as a reminder, if, as if anyone needs it. But Finland's upcoming game. So on Friday the fourth of June at seven is Finland versus Estonia, the friendly in Helsinki. Then eight days later on the twelfth at seven o'clock Finnish time is Denmark versus Finland from Copenhagen. Sixteenth of the sixth at four o'clock Finnish time is Russia against Finland in uh, St. Petersburg. And then on the 21st of the 6th at 10 o'clock is Finland, Belgium. That's again in St. Petersburg. And I'm sure we'll be reminding of those as we uh, as we get closer and closer to them. But I think it's time to pause. Half time. Pause to support the Finnish football show cause. Look at that, I'm a poet. Um, I've got my shirt on today. Keke's got one of his shirts on. I'll have a little stand up. Let's see if I can get close here. So can you see this work of art? It's the Finnish football show eagle design with the Finnish football show logo on. And Keke's got the, uh, well, he's got a contraband version of the shirt that you can find on the show. (laughs) Yeah, you uh, you can get the updated version of this shirt, which doesn't feature the Adidas Tango because the, um, German sportswear manufacturer got very upset with our um, our use of their footballs. So we've got some more generic footballs now on that yes, T-shirt. We we and do those... we do we do, <laughs> um, and that's a, that's on T Public. So it's T Public dot com, and then if you go and search for Finnish Football Show or check out the um, the, the show notes blog that, that comes with this episode, you'll find a, a little section in there, and we've also got. Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash FFS podcast, which Rich set up for us. Where, and we've had some people make a donation to just to the running of the show and, and buying the merchandise. We, um, we haven't had to buy any stock, but every, every shirt we sell, we get a, we get a cut. Uh, and same with buy me a coffee. If you want to donate to the running of the show, just to help us with with the running costs of uh, of the website and the podcast and all these all these various bits and pieces, it would uh, it would be much appreciated. Richard, we had any other donations since the last the last show? Um, not on the the beer side or the buy me a coffee thing since uh, since Johan put everyone else to shame with his effort but um what one thing I was going to mention actually because we, we had started it in earnest uh I think well Mark at the Asico game a couple of weeks ago the with the t-shirts coming in the Finnish football show colors um there's 12 different colorways for the 12 different teams um now that fans are slowly being allowed back into Vakehouse Liga games I think uh there's I mean, we're, we're at anything from, I think, five or six at one game up to a couple of thousand. Um, I think some of the ones in the not in the Helsinki area are now starting to let in pretty much as many as they can, whereas I think Helsinki's still down to, I think, a maximum of 50. But, um, yeah, if you, do, uh, if you do happen to buy one, tag us on social media and we'll give you a shout-out and you'll have our undying love. And if I do make it to a Cups game this season, because I'm... I'm was planning on buying a Cups one actually, so uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Because, the, uh, and the hashtag is FFS Team Colours, and yes. I, I, so far it's still just me and Lady Sutto on there. Let's have a look and see if anyone's used the American spelling. Of course, um, in no, 2026, Olu is going to be the European capital of culture, so start early, get your Olu FFS Colours t shirt now, and uh. <laughs> start that culture wave because I think some people were jesting I can't say anything because my wife's family some of them live in Oldham so um but um yeah I think they were saying they've got five years to find some culture but it's um they've got the Garam Masala Bowl uh stadium there so fair play to a indoor facility that is sponsored by Curry House so very very good I know some very cultured people from Oldham most of them are uh, AC Oldham fans who are Members of the um, the AC Olu Ultras group, which is named Pasca Kalpuni Casuals. So, um, yeah, very cultured. Okay. Uh, Mark, as our second halftime feature, you uh, you gave us your Sassilla Sipuli. Do you know, actually, I first heard this phrase from you a few years ago, and then just the other day around the dinner table, Shay Wiltshire 
uh, one of the kids was whining on about something and Satu actually said it across the table. Nut Rita, Yasila Sipuli. And I, I was like, what did you say? Actually heard a Finn using it in the wild. So uh, very, very good. What's our, what's our onion this week, Mark? Uh, the onion this week is uh, is something that actually happened to our good friend uh, Miksu Patalainen. So uh, the phrase is "sai gengat." Uh, it literally translates as uh, "you get the shoe" or "you got the shoe." Uh, and when you get given the shoe, uh, you get sacked from uh, from your job. So any any uh, out of form striker or manager that's uh, insisting on playing a Christmas tree just for for two years past its sell by date. They're gonna get the shoe. So it's like being given the boot, really. Yeah, given the boot. Yeah, yeah. Very. Well, uh, in in 2015, when he got sacked, I was actually in Helsinki at the time because I think it was after they lost to Hungary. Hungary. Yeah, Yeah. and um, we were in Helsinki for that, and we we drove up to Turku the next day. But as we were driving up, we drove past the uh, Paolo Lito offices, and there were probably two or three dozen pairs of old trainers hanging off the trees outside the offices as they kind of. Not quite a burning cross, but uh, yeah, there was definitely something just reminding them. And I think by the time we got to Turku that afternoon, yes, he had gone. We're going to come back to Cameron in a minute, but we're going to start the second half. And let's start with a little bit of nonsense. Um, Keke, you've been flirting with the Finnish Prime Minister. Well, yeah, um... Say a little bit, yeah. Uh, well, she, she's lovely, so I'm not sure. Tell everybody what, what happened, because uh, we've shared it on the Facebook group, um, yeah, which is where and, this uh, kind of nonsense yeah. goes. But what, what did you do and what happened? Uh, well, we um, we as a collective, Rich and uh, and the rest of us, managed to get a, a question asked on the um, All Points North English language podcast when they uh, they were interviewing Sanna Marin, Finnish Prime Minister, and um, we posed the question: which uh, which Vakas League team does she support? And um, she was gracious enough to to give us an answer and let ev- ourselves and all the listeners know she's a diehard Ilves fan. So um, so there you go. She's uh yeah, green and yellow for life, Sana Marin. But um, I would yeah, I so, would suggest uh, that not... we send her a t-shirt, but she's in a little bit of trouble at the moment for for perks and benefits. So we should probably. Well, she can put it on expenses. Sorry, So yeah, not um, so yeah, that that was lovely to hear. You know, that was that was very nice, and um, we uh, we stuck it stuck the little clip on our Instagram and and our TikTok and um. She was so taken by that that she reposted the clip on her on her own Instagram. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, by uh, by prime ministerial appointment the uh, Finnish football show. Well, that was a friend of the show, Egan, who asked the question. So, uh, thanks to him. But uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to a, a couple of Finnish men who are married to English wives asking Boris Johnson which. Uh, <laughs> Football team he supports and met with. <laughs> yeah, well, I can tell you what, it's certainly not AFC Wimbledon because he screwed us over with the new stadium a few years ago <laughs> and delayed it by several years and cost a lot of money. So um, oh, I censor myself. I keep my thoughts to myself. Something like that, Keke, but nobody can hear that or see it, fortunately. So um, let's <laughs> let's bring Cameron back in before we talk ourselves into permanent exile from the UK. Finland's, we talked about it just before, Finland's first game in the Euros is against Denmark. So, Nordic footy, Cameron, Mm -hmm. what can you tell us about Denmark? What can we expect? Are they any good? Or are we going to start the competition with a win? Are they any good is is the question I, I imagine a lot of people are asking because a lot of people look at the world rankings and they say that not worth anything and they don't really mean anything. And they look at it and they see Denmark in 10th and they go, how is that possible? They can't be in 10th. They're a small little country in the, the north of Europe that have no right to be there. But the truth is that Denmark are a frighteningly scary good team. And it may not be down to their individual players. It's more down to how well they work as a unit. So before all that, I'd like to preface it with you know, Nordic football. This is the first time since Euro 2004 that two Nordic teams will play each other in the Euros. Uh, last time it was Denmark versus Sweden. And um, when that happened, they they both ended up finishing first and second in the group. So 
and they beat Italy and Bulgaria to that. So if that's a precursor to anything, then you should be quite happy. Um, Hang on, didn't they draw the last game? Was it two-two? People, people don't talk that about the biscotti that. game, we wasn't it? We don't talk about that. Five <laughs> points drawn between three teams. Uh, but yes, they both went through on a definitely not dodgy result at the end of the yeah. tournament. <laughs> oh, one of those, yeah, okay. However, yeah, if, if history is anything to say about this game, um, it shouldn't be massively high scoring. I was looking before, and since 1917, the 20 times that this game has been played, there has only been one occasion where there has been a game with more than three goals. A lot of 1-0s, a lot of 2-1s, a lot of 2-1-2s <laughs> in both ways. But yeah, no, there's only been one, which was a 3-2 loss back in 1982, I think it was. Um, but this has very little bearing over what should be a great game, I think. You know, people look at it and say it's a, potentially an ex-winner of the competition versus a complete newbie. But it's certainly not how it should be perceived. Um, but yeah, in, in my opinion, Denmark right now are undeniably one of the better teams in international football, which is unfortunate for you, <laughs> if I know that help, but to deny that, I think, would be tactical suicide. And the mountain that any team, let alone Finland, will face when they play Denmark is going to be huge. Since September 2018, only one team in all competitions has managed to beat Denmark, and that was Belgium twice, who were also in your group. And in that time, they've, they've won and drawn a lot of games in then. And obviously, they beat England, which was one of the more eye-catching results. Um, but yeah, the squad is, like I said before, it's scary. And less about the individuals and more about how they play as a unit. They play this sort of beautiful 4-3-3 formation that allows their, the players to sort of thrive in their positions equally. The the midfield of, of Hoiberg and Delaney and any one of the many other combinations that have possible to them are, are all brilliant. And essentially it's all down to their ability to transition from one position to another. Their, their ability to go from defence to attack in any sort of a moment is quite phenomenal, I think. It's, it's something that I don't think England have got down to a tee at all. I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of countries look very slow and very boring when they play football because they, they don't know how to do that because their squad is not a unit. Denmark have it perfectly. They go from, you, you will be, they'll be playing around the back and all of a sudden they'll play a ball over the top or a through ball across the ground and they're in behind you before you even realise what's happened. They, they don't, depending on the game and who they're playing, they won't hold on to the ball. They're not a team who are set up to hold possession. They're a team who, if they want to, they will counter-attack you. They will sit back, let you run at their, again, very strong defensive unit that they have at the back. And, they will then break at speed. However, despite all the praise that I can put onto them, which is a lot, uh, especially in recent times of all the players coming through, there is they are fallible in certain areas. In that, in this transitional state, which is amazingly good when it works, if a player can break this transition down, Denmark are often found in a point where they could be playing a three-one-six formation. They, they. They are, honestly, when they break, you will see six players, five or six players on the defensive line of the of opposition team, while the back three will be sat on the halfway line. You have your midfielder in the middle, and that'll be it. So if someone can break down that, they panic a lot. And one of the reasons that they were battered 4-2 by Belgium only a few months ago was because of that. Belgium managed to get this high press going where it broke down this transitional play, which they are so good at, and it stopped them from being able to launch these counterattacks. Um, and like I said, when they won the ball back during these transitions, they found themselves panicking because they were all over the place because they're so attacking and they're so ready to move forward. They often lose, their wingers are gone up the pitch, they're at the corner flags already, and the midfielders, depending on who they are, are either the most attacking midfielders in the world are the most defensive. So they're either left with 5-0-5 or 3-1-6. It, it, honestly, it's when it works, it's a beautiful thing to watch, I think, from a, as a football point of view. Scary if you are the fan of an opposition team, but um, it can be broken down. And one of the other things that I was going to say, which has slightly been um, lessened by what you mentioned before, is 
their wings are weak. They have, because of the 4 3 3 formation, their wingers are very, um, are usually end up just being their fullback, which means if you can get down the wings and you can dominate the sidelines of the pitch, you will create a lot more chances than you will if you try and go through the middle. So when I hear that your, your wingers are a bit lacking or you don't have much hope down the wings, and that's slightly worrying, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be impossible to break them down. I think it will be, I think it'll be a very, very hard game for Finland. There's no reason why they can't go in to try and get something from it, in my opinion, from what I've seen of them playing. Um, but all in all, it's going to be a very tough game, potentially harder than Belgium. Because Belgium as a squad are not are nowhere near as cohesive as the Denmark squad are, in my opinion. They don't have that's the reason they fall at the final hurdle a lot of the time, is because their their team is not as free-flowing as the Denmark side is. But yeah, it all in all, it's gonna be a very, very tough game. And uh, <laughs> I would say that you're in for a hard one. Hope for a draw, beg for a win, and hope it doesn't go too wrong. <laughs> Um, Rich has got his hand up. He's got his, he's got his virtual hand up. He's had his mm. actual hand up. Um, Rich? Um, I just wanted to point out something that Cameron said that I found quite amusing because a couple of weeks ago I watched the uh, FIFA 1986 movie because it's on YouTube and talking about how uh, this is a game between a former winner and a debutant. And it made me think of when Denmark played Uruguay in 1986 uh, and the debutant beat the former winner 6-1. Um, I'll quite happily take that. I'm not comparing the uh, Finland squad to having the Laudrup, well, Michael Laudrup or Elkjar or Olsen or anyone like that, but uh, I think Puki's got a few goals in him. Most of the Finland team seem to have had some time playing in Denmark. So I think that will be quite, um, I mean, that will be quite familiar for them as well. So I'm, uh, yeah, looking forward to it, but um yeah, it's our, our, I think it's our, our wing backs can attack. It's it's the f- defending is the thing they can't do. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's going to say the same thing. Is that yeah, we don't uh, yeah, our, our strength, our weakness in in the in our wide areas is is generally defensively. But what do you think about um, about um, Ericsson? Because I mean, if you look through that, when I look when I look through that um, Danish team. I see a lot of guys that don't score a lot of goals. Like you've got like Braithwaite is a fantastic footballer, but he struggles to get minutes in Barcelona. He doesn't get on the pitch. And then even for the national team, you know, he, he doesn't actually chip in that that often with a lot of goals. They're, they are they are a great team that moves forward, but I'm sure the, the plan from Rive is sit, <laughs> sit Kamara and maybe Sparv on top of Ericsson and hope to sort of shut down that, that movement and transition. Is that a decent plan or, or have they got like, like, uh, are they dangerous in many with many forwards? I, I would say, in terms of like, like I've mentioned before, in terms of this um, squad feel over individual individualistic players, the reason that they do so well is because, oh, again, this sounds stupid. It's almost because they don't have that out and out talisman. You know, you, you look to Ericsson as the man who's going to be the one controlling the game when it's not really true. You know, you. Hoiberg and Delaney, I think, are two excellent midfielders who can... They're not as attacking by any means, without a doubt. But this squad, like I say, they, they interconnect so well that they don't look to someone like um, Ericsson who do that forwards play. They have uh, Mikel Damsgaard of uh, San Pandora, who is an unbelievable player on his day. And he, he, scored, uh, he scored quite a few goals for Denmark in recent times after breaking through into it. And it's like their their attack. I would say um, I put down sort of my, the danger man that I think Finland will have to face is uh, Jonas Vind, I think it's pronounced, of Copenhagen. He scored 15 goals in 28 games for them this season. And he, he is just a monster when he plays for, for Denmark. There's a lot of them. Um, he's only 22 years old. When he plays, he usually scores. That's how it goes with him playing. He doesn't, he's not played loads within the last year. But every game that he's played, he's either assisted, scored, or at the very least left his mark on the match. So it, it's these sort of, this is what I mean in terms of their squad. They don't have an out-and-out player who's definitely going to score on goals. You, you'd think it'd be Braithwaite or Poulsen. Yeah. Um, but the fact is it, it'll probably be one of the wider players like Fynd or like Damsgaard or 
um, Stegg or uh, oh, the, the countless other good attackers that they have, <laughs> which and even their their wing backs, you know, Vass, he, he gets up the field so fast that and he's he's often involved that it's you wouldn't to pin down one player in the Denmark squad or to to pin two players to one again is it might work if it's the correct player on the day. If you pin down the wrong player, you're left with a man overlap somewhere else and they are mm-hmm. like I said they are so good at that transitional play that breaking through a side would be no problem for them. But yeah, if if like you said the the attacking parts of your wings are the the good part of your wing backs then that is where I would probably focus if I was the the Finnish squad because that's that is where they end up being sort of left open wide a lot. A lot of their players come centrally, a lot of them like I said throw themselves into the box and so there is space out there. So that that's where I would go if I was the the Finnish manager on the day. That's um that's quite interesting what you said there Cameron about you know because we've had that we've had that feeling ourselves recently watching Finland you know the the, the team is bigger than the sum of its parts you know like after after donkey's years of having um teams centered around the great Yari Lipmanen you know and um and 10 other blokes all of a sudden we've got we've got a, a team and a squad that seems that i mean obviously the, the obvious one is Temu Pukki has been banging goals in in England in the championship. So if there is a talismanic player, is you know you probably look to Temu Pukki. But but the the team and squad are generally bigger than the sum of their parts, and we've sort of traded on on that ourselves recently. So that's an interesting point what you say there about about the Denmark side. So certainly will as the makings of an interesting match. Absolutely, yeah. Is it? it I, I, like I said, I'm. I'm... I'm really looking forward to that one in terms of the first few group group games and obviously even the Russia game. They're all very when I look at the the group in general, it's a very they're all very similar teams. You know, Russia don't I couldn't off the top of my head name a couple of world class Russian players who are going to run the game, as if Belgium are almost the opposite. They have too many world class players, so you don't you can't look at one who's going to control it. So it, it's an interesting group in terms of who will be the players who do stand up for the individual teams and who will be the ones that come through, really. Very good. I, I'm not particularly reassured by what you <laughs> said, Cameron, but I am I am kind of excited about it. I'm looking a bit... Obviously, we're all excited anyway, but now this, this is this is good to get someone there that actually sort of knows these teams a little bit and gives us something to, to look out for. And then, you know, after the game, we, we can all get together and talk about you behind your back and see if you knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got one one more small feature to cover. Rich, you you inspired this, which was with a selection of yet branded merch that you've come across. Um, I'll add some photos in the, um, in the uh, blog post. But what have you seen? I heard someone mention... Was it a hammer or a saw or something? Has the world gone mad? Um, yeah, so, I mean, we I think we talked about this about a year ago, at least, or maybe shortly after qualification, where um, someone had dug out something from the Finnish patents office of all the things that uh, the Palolito are trying to trademark ahead of Euro 2020. And, and I mean, they had everything from sex toys to kebab equipment to basically anything you could sell. Um, they were trademarking the use of hookah. Now, um, I can't remember, I think someone sent it to me. It was a picture, it may have come from Fortis Forum, um, and it was a picture from a, um, from a, a supermarket sales brochure, and it was a Finland-branded handsaw, as in the sort that you buy from B&Q, with a quite large Swami logo on the side. Now, um, I must thank uh, someone I've known for a while, you saw on Twitter, who sent me a Instagram link to a uh, Instagram account that is basically collating everything. Oh, beautiful. Okay, send me the link yeah. and I'll put it put it in um, the show notes. Yeah. And yeah, and um, somehow the interest in this saw, I'm not sure. Maybe it's um, it's had two hundred thousand impressions on Twitter in the last twenty four hours because it's gone around basically most of Europe going, oh my god, look at those crazy fins. And they're branded saws. I mean, they haven't been around England in the run-up to Euros World Cup, clearly, like, like we have. But um, a list of some of the things that you can buy with a Hukiat logo. So there's a, a gas barbecue, mustard, 
a bicycle bell, uh, odor-eating insoles, uh, fishing tackle, a Bluetooth adapter for your car, uh, Pringles, but they're Pringles, and finally, uh, Keke had this last night, it was the, a can of cough beer, the uh, Hilke Hat logo on. But um, yeah, there's an Instagram account, which we'll link to that has all of these, and I'm sure they're far, far more, because I think in the day before Eurovision uh, last month, someone was sharing, there was some, I'm not sure which supermarket it was, maybe in Prisma, were having, basically have half of their display was a Eurovision party, and the other half was Hukiat, kind of the, the knockoff, the the T-shirts with the the logo that looks like the kit and all that stuff, so um, yeah, they're really going to town on it, and they uh, I do wonder if we'll see the Hulkiat branded condoms, which may offer more protection than the three at the back. <laughs> oh dear, you, 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 did you have that one written down? I didn't actually. Yeah. Very, very good. Well done. Okay, let's let's draw a line under that. We've been going for another hour, a week so after those condoms, thing. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's right. It gives you staying power. So our full time feature is following and. Mark, did you have someone for following this week? Uh, only our fabulous guest. Oh, well, in, at, in that... And, and, but, but, uh, sorry to, to, to do a Boris Johnson, blah, 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 all over the top of you, sorry. <laughs> but but well, Ken Ke reminded me that we actually, we actually did Cameron in following a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago. So, uh, in in oh. tribute to in tribute to Keke, maybe we should suggest that everybody follows the Prime Minister San Marin this week. Yeah, go for it, especially on Instagram. If she reposts our uh, our little video clip, right? So, so she might not be around for long. No, that's right. So, yeah. while she's still prime minister, why don't you follow her on Instagram and and tell her that the Finnish football show sent you, and uh, you know we might all get excommunicated as well along with her. Um, um, well, while we're there, Cameron, you you might as well remind the uh, the listeners and the YouTube viewers where they can follow you, mate. Yeah, so I am solely on Twitter for the, the time being, and it is Nordic Football or at footy underscore Nordic. Lovely. So, solely on Twitter, but covering about eight or so different countries. So I think you've got yourself you've got yourself spread thin enough as it is. Yeah, and, and to answer your question actually from a couple of weeks back where you said, How does he do it? The answer is I don't. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but at least not to the uh, level that everybody on Twitter would have me do it. So, <laughs> but are, yeah. are you doing it on your own, or do you have other, no, yeah. others? As as the time goes on, I am on my own, and I feel as the followers grow, that should not be the case. But it is for now, and it, it, I will continue moving forward, and I will do the best that I can to make sure I include every single club on those maps and not leave yeah. one out <laughs> ever <Yeah>. again. <laughs> make sure make sure you get all those Greenland clubs, all those badges in the yeah. right place, Cameron, because you get some very upset Greenlanders <laughs> if, you, uh, if you put a club badge in the wrong place. Uh, no, it's good. It's, it's good. So um, everyone follow, follow Sanna Marin and follow uh, Nordic, Nordic footy and, uh, Cameron, what what do you do outside of being Nordic Footy on Twitter? Yeah, so I am. Uh, I've just finished university at the moment, so ah, okay. I, I I am technically unemployed, and so now Nordic football is my full time job. <laughs> wow! Ooh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> so well, you're going to be busy during the during the uh, Euros anyway, and um, yeah. and, and uh, keep keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us today. It's yeah, I, I personally, it's exactly what I was hoping for—a little bit of a little bit of detail on on those two uh, countries for us to look out. No, oh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Whenever you're facing another Nordic country again, let me know and I'll be back. Sounds like a plan. Thanks a lot, Cameron. And and that's the end of this show. So follow our Facebook page for content coming directly from us, our podcasts and blogs and what have you. Um, you'll also find a link there to our Facebook group where you can join in with various conversations. And that's where we share all manner of other tat. Um, Keke's Instagram page and the stories connected to that are well worth a follow as well. And, and this is the thing that all the different sort of Mark and Rich, particularly active on Twitter. Keke's very good on uh, Instagram. I'm more into 
Facebook. So between us, we've got most of these things covered. And there's a tip for you, Cameron. That's how you that's how you do it. Maybe a bit easier in in future is to get some others involved with you. Um, and we've also got our our YouTube channel where you'll see the video for this show and and all our previous and that TikTok with the kids as well. Oh, sorry, we've got TikTok now. I've got to add that to the list as well. Good lord. So that's I did, rich. Um, I did tweet out a link actually from Miss Kate to Swami uh, the last couple of days with. The links to the various social medias on there yes. which is actually my pinned tweet now just as a as a reference so anyone uh, anyone looking for stuff if you if you like your facebook if you like your finnish football in between your your racist uncle and your dog photos then uh, yeah finnish <laughs> football finnish football show okay and and that rich you just mentioned it but again where where do people find you on twitter uh, i'm at escape to swarmy okay i'm at explore finland mark you are at FC Zwami. And Keke. I'm at Keke Mulari. Very good. And I think that's just about it for this episode. So until the next Finnish football show, which could easily be next week. Uh, if it's not before, then it might be just after the, the Denmark game. But we'll be back really soon until the next episode. Thanks for listening and, uh, and goodbye. Kiddos. Yep. Yeah.